Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Groover. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kathy Groover. And I'm Jason Mefford. And today we have Corey Blake with us. Hey, Corey. Hello, hello. Wonderful to be with you. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited about this conversation. So tell everybody who you are, what you do, and what led you to this moment in 10 words or less. Oh, good Lord. Um, Nine. (laughs) Today's today's limit is nine. Okay. Yeah. We use a lot of words. It's good to know. As many words as you want. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well, as you said, my name is Corey Blake. Uh, I run Roundtable Companies. We are a 16-year-old storytelling company. Uh, We work with CEOs, thought leaders, and organizations to help to uh, unearth the authentic story that expresses the heart behind an individual or a brand, like really what are they destined to do in the world, Um, which is not an easy story for people to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I got here um, by way of acting initially. I was uh, I was taught on the stage and then went out to Los Angeles for 10 years where I worked very heavily in commercials in front of the camera for major brands, also on some television shows, a little bit of film work. Um, but ultimately, that was a world where where I was a crayon in other people's crayon box and um, and never felt a strong sense of belonging at the level I was working at. You know, I was coming in at kind of a guest at other people's dinner tables. And uh, and I, I loved it while I was there and uh, eventually had this moment of realization of this pays very well. Everyone externally thinks I'm successful and yet I feel pretty empty. What do I do with that? <laughs> and uh, right, so then I had to have- Welcome my, to Hollywood. My- <laughs> to have my 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 moment of awareness and and start shifting and and so I formed a a writing company that and because of the LA background eventually we started attracting people who really needed support with books and I found that that was a place where we could have a monumental impact without having to have you know 10 million and up budgets like we could really change lives um, at various various scales and, uh, and then we became a big part of the conscious capitalism movement, and we do a tremendous amount of personal development within our organization. And so, so we really, everything we do centers around our stories, the stories that we resist, the stories that define, right, um, what we're meant to do in the world that have been living within us, but, but that most people have not been taught to excavate. We help unearth those and tell those. Well, and I just have to, since you dropped conscious capitalism, just for a little plug, because most people don't actually know what it is. So we're going to get into like the really juicy stuff. But since you dropped that, just give give people the one minute background on what that is, because most people do not know that it exists. And it's fucking sure. amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, right. Capitalism has become a very dirty word. And so um, capitalism being that thing that we think of, of, of uh, all profit driven motivation for organizations and conscious capitalism was founded initially by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods as a movement. And it's, it's maybe 15 years old at this point, um, a movement of organizations who are focused on not only being profitable but doing good in the world as a part of that profitability and not just taking the profit and using it for good but actually doing good with how they function on a day-to-day basis the lives of their customers the lives of their employees it's a very aspirational 
movement in that being a conscious business is not simple or easy. It requires a tremendous amount of energy, thought, and intentionality, um, and expense. Right? You, we invest in being conscious within our organizations, um, and it's a it's a powerful movement. I've been a part of it since uh, the end of 2014, and I, I think it's a beautiful group of humans aspiring to do something that is not easy by any means. Yeah, yeah that's great, and what a great definition. Like I knew sort of like up here what it was, but that was a great definition to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, it's, it's sort of self-explanatory putting those two words together, but yeah, I, uh, I like how you define that. And you and I have a similar background. I also landed in Hollywood after being trained on the stage and did 10 years before I went, not with the kind of success you did, but kind of going, what am I doing here? Like this is, this is so, you know, I'm very, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well, I'm going to succeed at it. And that's acting is like one of the few professions where you can have a degree, you can be really good at it, uh, you can work your tail off and still be a waiter. And it's like, yes, what am you I? You know, it would see you don't do that with law school. You don't pass the bar and be like, oh, I'll wait tables. You know, it's like, um, so yeah, you and I have a similar background, and I love that you parlayed your acting experience and the creativity into something else. So one of the things you said that, that stuck out to me was the stories that people resist. So do you find one particular sort of theme of story that people don't want to touch? Or is that just such an individual thing? And maybe give an example of what we might be resisting. Um, it is, I think it is very personal, but of course there are there are themes that that many of that, that most of us can relate to. Um, in essence, you know, if, if, when you get into the personal development realm, I'm sure you're familiar with, like there's, there's the shadow work, right? There's the oh. stuff about um, our personalities that we um, prefer to put on a shelf because it's way more comfortable for us. It's just a part of being human, right? It's this beautiful reality of being human. We talk about it. Um, uh, we have a storytelling course that I just love to death and feel like is really a piece of my like why I'm here on this planet. And within that, we talk about superpowers and kryptonite and right. the gifts that we manifest at a very young age. Those are manifested because um, there comes a time in our childhood, everyone faces this where the world becomes unsafe. Why it becomes unsafe is unique to each of us, like right. those circumstances. But because we don't have a superpower tool belt at that point in our lives, we have very little tools as a very young person. Um, we, we do what in Gestalt work is called creative adaptation. Okay. Outside of that world, it's like, we survived. Well, no, we got really creative. We did something intuitively creative. And that becomes this thing that, that creates safety in that moment. So then we rely on it for the, probably the rest of our lives because it's something we know how to do to help us feel safe, help us oftentimes feel a bit more in control of our lives. And so we exercise that muscle over and over and over again, but it becomes so strong. It becomes the ha the hammer to everything as a nail. So the, the resistance is often the way we misuse that superpower, which is hard to think of because I think we all come at it. Um, we tend to come at it with good intention, but it's not always the appropriate tool for the job. And sometimes it can create a lot of damage and a lot of hurt how that manifests, if we don't spend time actually recognizing what goes on in that way, we continue to do it. And it undermines really what we are oftentimes trying to accomplish and the impact we're trying to have in the world. So it's the resistance to whatever that is uh -huh. for us. And it shows up in all kinds of magnificent ways because that's, that's humanity. 
Yeah. So it would be something like uh, mom yelled at me when I was six and I just couldn't handle it. It was too much. So I decided to shut down and escape into this sort of inner fantasy world. And now I continue to do that. So now when my husband is upset about something, I shut down and just kind of ignore the things around me because that was a coping mechanism. So, so thank you. I, I, I love that you can just dive into an example. You, you improv specialist, you. It's what we do here. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so in that circumstance, you might have somebody who, who folds into that fantasy world. And so that world becomes this place of safety. And there's a very good chance that that person goes on to do the most remarkable, beautiful, creative things with this imagination that they have developed, right? And sometimes reality is calling yeah. and that that imagination space might be the place that they tend to go into when the world really is calling forth something more realistic. Um, I, so mine, mine personally, I'll just share um, is um, as a result of, of my mother. Um, my mother was a very light filling person. She had a huge light and it shone on me for the first five years of my life. And then she had, uh, about a very severe depression where she was institutionalized kind of depression. Light, the way I describe it, light went out. Well, in the dark, I had no idea who I was and I felt insanely unsafe. So I had to learn how to read the room. I had to learn how to read my, not only my mother, but my father and sister to determine my level of safety in any given moment. That became a gift of mine that I today use constantly. I am, I am aware of energies in other people because I had to be as a child because the person who was the most safe became the most dangerous. Um, one of the other things that I learned how to do is like my mother knew how to help me feel special. I'm a Jewish boy to a Jewish mom, only son, mm. right? Oh boy. Total cliche. <laughs> like you are here to do something magnificent with your life. And I believed that my entire life. And because she showed me how to feel special, I know how to find the things that are special in other people and elevate them. That superpower I have to be incredibly careful with because if I have an agenda that's attached to that, if I can help find the thing that's special in you, but I'm doing it because I want something from you, that's my kryptonite. I have to be highly aware that it is truly in service when there's no agenda. And as soon as there is one, I might be coming from a place that ultimately is going to do harm to someone else and myself. Yeah. acknowledging that that's not fun. That's a hard, that's hard work. So that's, that's why we resist mm. typically that kind of stuff. It's, 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 it's having to look at the tougher parts of ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because you, you mentioned too, you know, when, when we're children, um, you know, because you kind of talked about this authentic heart story that you're trying to help get out of people. Right. And I, I think so many of us now want to be authentic, but it scares the shit out of us. Okay, honestly, and and it, it's funny because, like you said, you know, you go you go back to to childhood, and it seems like these different things happen to us, right? Mother has depression, you know, whatever ends up happening, it it kind of changes you as a person. That that little boy with the light, with the joy in his eye, you still have it, but you know, kind of a, a lot of times as as we as we grow and adult right? We put those childish things away. We become the responsible adult. We go to school, we get the law degree, we become a lawyer, we hate our fucking life, right? Because we forget who we were. And it seems like, you know, in the work that I've done, and that I've helped other people do of being more authentic, 
it's really about getting back to that little child before we got kind of indoctrinated and reprogrammed by living life and having to become an adult. Is that, is that kind of what, what you see as well, that a lot of times this authentic or heart story that's in somebody is actually what they wanted when they were a younger child or maybe a teenager and what they dreamed of, but then they put that dream on a, sh on a shelf? I think uh, I think there's not a lot of psychological safety built into the world at large. Oh yeah, and right, and and when we can find pockets of it, we can practice being the more authentic version of ourselves. And if um, and if we can do that in enough places, we can do it everywhere. But in the absence of enough places or one place, it's very it's very difficult for for a human being to step into an authentic voice, um, if, if we feel like we're going to be punished for it or rejected for it, vulnerability is an incredibly challenging um, experience because our perception is that, that we will be judged for our vulnerability. The reality tends to be different, but until we engage in it and it's proven that people lean in when we're vulnerable, right? Our, if our belief is that they'll lean away, we can rationalize why we should never attempt it, particularly in our work life. I mean, we do a lot of vulnerable uh, vulnerability training with organizations in various cool. forms. It is so uncomfortable for people at the beginning, and then it becomes the safest place in their life. Yeah. I think it's funny because, because like you said, I like that analogy of people leaning in when we're afraid that they're going to lean back, right? Like, oh my gosh, Corey, you're a freaking, you're a freak. You know, most people don't actually respond that way. When, when we actually show who we are, they're like, holy crap, you like that too? I love that, right? I mean, and people, it's like, that's how we really get that connection with other people because so many people don't feel safe, uh -huh. right? Um, I was watching one of the documentaries about Woodstock last night. And, and the thing that, that just kept coming through was all these kids going to Woodstock and they're like, man, there's half a million of us that think the same way. I didn't think anybody else thought the same way, right? Uh -huh. It's that kind of feeling, right? That the more that we become authentic and have that safe space, people, people lean in more than they actually lean out. It's, it's a, we all have the need for belonging. Oh. Right? And, um, and Woodstock is just as, as um, alluring, I think, and safe for a certain demographic as, as this truck protest is in Ottawa, Canada right now. I'm paying a lot of attention to that because we have an employee that lives there. And, um, and I was reading an article last night about uh, what's going on there that, that got a little personal with some of the folks there. And I think my impression was they found a sense of safety and belonging they didn't find elsewhere. They, whether they share the ultimate beliefs or whether they're there for a sense of belonging that's not getting fulfilled other places, I think on both sides of that spectrum, Woodstock or a protest, right? It's yeah. very similar. Well, and if you look, I, I started to work on a project called Us Versus Them, which ended up getting shelved, but it was about 
you know, well, I mean, it's in the title, <laughs> but I, I interviewed an ex-skinhead and I interviewed somebody who tries to get people out of KKK and gang, you know, old gang members. Well, that's exactly what it is. You don't feel like you belong anywhere. So suddenly this fringe organization like takes you in and makes you feel safe and makes you feel special. This is how gangs and QAnon and I mean, all this stuff happens. And so I guess the question is, how can we find that within ourselves or with our close partners and, and our own little niche of people so that we don't feel so lost and floating around through the universe. What a, what a lovely, beautiful question. Uh, ultimately, I think, uh, right, there's, there is belonging in community. There is, you're highlighting this very unique um, belonging within myself. Like, how do I feel about me? And the board of directors I carry around in my head who love to be very vocal, right? Like there's a we inside of me. <laughs> ego states. We talk about ego states and internal family systems a lot. It's one yes. of my areas. Oh, I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. It's all up there. So, yep. so, so there is an, there is the internal community. We have to acknowledge that. Right. And, uh, but, but finding, um, finding positive places um, to get that sense of community that are, that want our authentic expression and ultimately, my hope would be um, that we define authenticity as, as the sharing of our light and dark, as opposed to uh -huh. my authentic is just expressing or vomiting my anger on everybody, right? Like there are some communities where that is the thing that can bond people together. And yeah. of course, that's a very powerful force in the world that can be very destructive. Um, it's also voicing something that is needed and not tended to. So there's, there's, there is meaning that can be taken from that. But, um, but finding places where psychological safety is being paid strong attention to, being manifested, places where people are coming together and particularly agreeing that when we're together, we're going to be present with one another, which is a huge piece. We're, we are going to do our best to suspend our judgment. Mm -hmm. And where we are... Um, going to set aside our human desire to fix each other or solve each other's problems and instead focus on simply being with each other in an experience uh, while each other does their own work. Like essentially the opportunity for us to be together where you can be your own hero instead of needing to be rescued by somebody else. Uh -huh. That's a very powerful experience for people. That, that's the transformational stuff we want more of, I think. Yeah, well, I, lo I love that idea. Be your own hero, because because so many of us live from the external. You know, it's like we 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 feel validated, we feel safe because of right what other people are telling us, or you're a good boy, Jason. You know, you did that good. Yeah, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? And 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 so much of the time, you know, you see that in relationships, especially too, where there, there'll be one person who needs their partner to provide them with the validation because they don't have the validation themselves, right? And so those relationships usually end up getting torn apart because the person never feels safe because they're never their own hero. They never feel safe within themselves. I can't remember the term that you said there, but, you know, about being safe within ourselves, effectively, right? Um, that, that, most of us don't do that. We're, we're, we're not willing 
to do that because I, I think it scares us, right? I mean, what 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 causes us to 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 look to the outside instead of looking within? Well, well I, uh, let, I was just saying real please. quick. And that also creates sometimes a really dangerous power dynamic because oh, yeah. if you're looking outside of yourself for that hero and that safety and they're not they're not providing it well not that they're not providing it that if they're a narcissist or if they're a control oh, freak oh. or if they're a, then you create this power dynamic of this and i'm going to use the male female as <coughs> the traditional way it tends to be with narcissists you have this very needy insecure i don't feel good about myself female who ends up with this very overbearing narcissistic male who controls everything she does and in her reality that's safety because she's he's protecting her but in reality he's probably the most unsafe thing that could be there so that's what the danger can be in looking outside yourself for that if you're not with somebody who's just authentically there truly for your highest good sorry i was yeah. just boring no, i had to say that <laughs> no yeah no it was, it was exploding out of you i love it <laughs> right like this stuff is really um i think we, we feel it very deeply and when we see it I, I i appreciate the the passion with which it's hitting you um i think you're you're highlighting that that ultimately i think i think psychological safety is something we tend to learn externally and then over time we figure out how do we manifest our own psychological safety so wherever we are we don't have to be so reliant on on the community but that is abs that's a muscle that has got to be exercised and practiced in order to gain strength that i i don't that's it, it's a really challenging i mean in my own life it's been something that i have arrived at where um and, and it's still by no means 100% effective, but I can lean far more into it. But, but sometimes like uh, I'm remembering an experience where, where I thought I was psychologically safe only to find that um, there was no net when I, when I leapt. And that was, that was the moment when I had to ask myself afterwards, I felt like I literally, like I, my metaphor was I had jumped off of a cliff and everyone watched as I just hit the ground and broke every bone in my body. And then I laid there for about four hours before any, before the ambulance was called. Like that was, it was at a, at this small uh, intimate experience where I took a leap that just, it, it, it was, it was more than the field could handle. And I left that experience and eventually came to the recognition of, I need to, I need to manifest more of my own psychological safety and find degrees to lean into, to test an environment to know oh. it's like we can we can we can estimate or predict how psychologically safe we think a container is but until you push against it i don't think we really know what it can take yeah but it's different to push against it with a certain kind of force where i can still stand on my own two feet than it is to fling myself into it and hope for the best i like that that's an example of of me having to learn uh, particularly that that aspect but I, the be your own hero piece, ultimately, I think we're after, we, we want to manifest more wholeness in each and every human being. And there's an aspect, there's, there is, when we shine, when we shine light on the parts of ourselves that, that we, this is totally my own language. I don't know if everyone relates to it this way, but I got parts of myself that I find to be less lovable. Oh. Like that's my own internal judgment of these parts of myself. And the more frequently that I shine light on those, and do it in community and am received with love, the more I change my relationship to those from these are parts of my darkness to these are parts of myself that I'm that I'm learning to love 
maybe, which is a huge step from parts that I totally want to pretend don't exist. Yeah. Right. And that makes me more whole, which makes me safer around other people. Because if I judge that piece of myself less in me, I'll judge it less in anyone I come across. And that is, that's when we become more powerful in our lives and in our work, when we're owning more of that work ourselves. Yeah. Oh, well, beautifully, beautiful. Well, beautiful. and isn't it isn't it funny too that a lot of those parts that we feel are darkness that we're embarrassed about are exactly the things that people love the most about us when they find out about us. They're defining. They so we we tend to I think we tend to view that survival time when we were young. It's it's not unusual that we see people view it as weakness. Right. So if you have a child, for example, who uh, who had a violent parent who was abusive, that child may learn to become invisible to protect itself. Right. Mm -hmm. If I shrink away and dad sees me less frequently, I get hit less. Well, it's it's very easy for, I think, that human being to look at what happened and how they reacted as weakness. I wasn't strong enough to stand up to dad, uh -huh. right? And and yet, if we can help reframe, no, you you in a, in your need to survive, you learned how to become less visible as a protective mechanism, and now in your life, where are the places every day where you find yourself blending in as an act of service? I guarantee it's there and it's probably everywhere, but if we don't see it and we're not looking for it, right? This person may be incredible at, um, at active listening. Somebody who you don't realize is listening until suddenly they say something and it's, holy smokes, you, you've been listening very closely. And they, they know things because they blend, but they're paying very close attention, right? That kid, when they were young, it's not that they just blended into the wall and then stopped paying attention to dad. They paid attention to every movement of someone, you know? So, so there's, there are things that we, that we tune very highly. We have incredible radar, all that got developed at that young age. But if we don't ever have the moment of reframing it as a gift, mm, yeah, yeah we, we, don't, we don't gain the power and value and we don't often get to put it into greater service that I think is, is a beautiful opportunity for more reward for that person and for the world. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Do you, do you, does your company tend to work more with organizations or do you work with individuals on helping them find the story? So we do both. Um, we do both. Um, I, I, I love organizational systems. Um, there's something about um, what happens when, when we can um, help a bunch of individuals who also work together to find more of that wholeness my goodness, it's like, if I'm a hero and you're a hero and you're a hero, well, what can we heroically do together? That's a fascinating, super amazing, fun question. You talk about high-performance teams, yeah. being able to take this kind of trust and this depth of understanding, not only what your gifts are, but where they originated yeah. and like hearing those stories is monumentally powerful. They're so sticky. You cannot forget them. They're so monumental. And, um, and so everything gets elevated. At the same time, not everyone is part of an organization that's interested in doing that kind of work. And so, yeah, we have, we have, um, I mean, we offer services to help people who want to, who want to actually take their story and deliver it somehow to the world. Huh. We help people to do that artistically, which huh. is essentially to say, 
Um, we, we use a, a mechanism of entertainment in one fashion or another that emotionally opens up an audience so that something informative or educational can be delivered without the emotional piece right? It's, you get people who write books that become coffee holders. Like, <laughs> you know, right. if you want someone to read every page and truly be moved by it, uh -huh. then we often, we want to deliver it artistically. So there's emotion first. So we, we help people to do that, um, who are interested in actually using their story for something externally. Not everyone is necessarily on that path. Some people simply want to better understand themselves so that something else can happen or be made possible. Maybe they want, but maybe they're trying to find their soulmate. And they're like, if I knew myself better and I could become a beacon for the right person, like I have to become visible to this other person in the world. How do I become visible authentically? Well, uh -huh. unpack your story in this way. So for those people who aren't necessarily you know, interested in something that's going to be published or packaged or put out in the world, that's where our course is are monumental and and we we just developed this actually during the pandemic um this this course that uh, it's a 12-week course that people go through where we take the hero's journey oh. and and we help them um unpack each uh of the the correlate moments in their life to the hero's journey and it. really center in on a big ordeal that they've overcome where their ordinary world that they started from in that hero's journey um, really is that place of youth, right? Where, where those, those gifts first manifested. Uh -huh. And so they go through this beautiful process. So it's like, we're doing the work alone because it's very personal, but they're doing it in community. Yeah. And then eventually they get to a point where they share their stories with each other. And that is, that's this stunning moment of transformation everybody's nervous, everyone's overwhelmed and freaked out at the idea of telling things that they've never told anyone before to this group of people that they've become close to, but still don't want to be rejected by. And when they do, and they are, this love pours back on them. There's this profound healing that happens. And this new ownership of this thing I thought was ugly about myself. Oh. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's beautiful. Well, what do I do now? Who do I want? Who do I get to be now? Uh -huh. It's a moment of unfolding that, that I just feel so privileged and blessed to be a part of. Wow. That's so cool. I, I love this cover. This has been so amazing. I could, we could talk to you for hours. And of course we're out of time because that's exactly <laughs> what happens. <laughs> and I've taken a page of notes, which I don't typically do. Jason's a note taker. So uh, any final thought, Jason, before we wrap up and we'll hear our final thought no, I think from it's a, uh, Corey. I think this is beautiful. You know, I think, I mean, obviously we are talking about story, but we're talking about a lot of other stuff here too. Right. And, and I love this whole idea of be your own hero. Um, because I think so, so many people out there, you know, we're looking for somebody else to save us, right? And the only person that's going to save you is you, right? At the, at the end of the day, I mean, this is what we were talking about, folks. So, so hopefully you didn't gloss over a lot of this, but just like Corey was talking about there at the end, you know, if you want a new relationship, if you want the perfect partner, don't try to find the perfect partner, be the perfect partner, and your perfect partner will find you, right? And, you know, the same thing with, you know, quit looking for some knight in shining armor. I mean, those are great stories, right? But what if the damsel stood up and was like, dude, I don't need you. I got this. Give me your sword. Let's go slay the dragon, right? Um, you know, that we all have that opportunity 
it does require courage, right? To, to, to be able to share safe and do some of the things. I mean, I think it's beautiful what you're doing, um, Corey. It, it uh, you know, sitting, sitting in one of those community things afterwards where people are sharing has just got to oh. be so beautiful. So beautiful. So anyway, those are my two cents. That's about all it's worth. So yeah. Oh man. All right, Corey, this has been so great. We'll have to have you back. Um, and I know you have a partner in crime too who couldn't be with us today. So uh we'll get both of you on and we'll have an even bigger conversation about this. So how can people reach you? Uh what's the best way to find you and uh sign up for some of your programs and courses? Thank you so much. So we're at roundtablecompanies.com. That's companies with an IES. Um, we are also on uh, Clubhouse under Roundtable Companies. We have a uh, we have a room that we we gather people every Tuesday evening for vulnerable storytelling, and uh, and sometimes we play Vulnerability is Sexy, one of our uh, games that we've created to actually manifest these kinds of deep, profound connections in a very short amount of time. So they can find us on Clubhouse. You can find me on uh, on social media under Corey Blake nine thousand nine zero zero zero. Would love for people to reach out. Cool. This has been such an amazing conversation. Thanks for being on. I know this is going to help and inspire a lot of people. So it's just been a great conversation. Thank you so much. I feel very blessed to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you. All right. I'm Kathy Gruber. I can be reached at kathygruber.com. And I am Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out this week, start becoming your own hero, and then we will catch you on the next episode of the Fire Nerd Podcast. See ya. See ya.